Father, we thank you. Thank you that we can call you Father. Oh, and I just, I just declare, Father, that you alone are holy. You alone are worthy. You alone deserve uh, a throne room in our heart. Father, you alone deserve all praise and glory in every aspect of our lives. And so, God, I thank you for, for ways that you have been at work. I thank you for answers to prayers. I thank you for peace that you give in situations. God, I thank you for uh, your faithfulness and your goodness just to walk with us every day of our lives. Father, we just declare again this morning, great is your faithfulness. You are worthy of so much praise. And Father, as I've been hearing just people pray into the, the vision that was given of, of Zealand and, and, and Holland and this area moving from darkness to light, God, we pray that. We pray for that. We ask for that. We know that it is on your heart for those who don't know you to come to know you. In fact, Scripture says that you are slow in coming back so that many more will come to know you. That is your love in action. And so we're asking, we're praying, God, that, that you would move by the power of your Holy Spirit all around West Michigan, turning hearts to you, rescuing those who are the furthest from you. God, I ask for empowerment of your body uh, to go out and proclaim the gospel, that we would be so filled, that you would give us the words to say, that you would give us encounters, spirit-led encounters with people who need to hear the gospel. And I ask that we would not shrink back, but that we would be bold in proclaiming the hope that we have in you, Jesus. But I also ask that, Holy Spirit, you would be so at work, that you would be giving dreams and visions to people that they can't help but ask the question, what is going on? And so we are asking for revival in this area. We're asking for hearts to fall in love with you, Jesus, all for your glory, all so that your name and renown will be seen all over the world. Because that is our desire. Your name and your renown is the desire of our hearts. We are saying this morning that life is not about us. It's all about you, Jesus. So to that end, I do ask that we would decrease and that you would increase Jesus in every aspect of our lives. That we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. That that would be the thing that we do over and over and over again. And so thank you, Lord. Thank you for that vision that you gave us this morning. And we believe it's going to happen. And so we're saying, here we are. Send us all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I love that, that, that picture that was given to us. And I want to encourage us to pray into that this week. And, and not just pray into that, but, but actually live into that. Um, because that's the purpose of our lives, is to live all for the glory of Jesus, to, to go and make disciples. I was talking with a friend of mine um, a couple weeks ago, and this friend's name is Ben, and, and he was uh, a student at, at Hope College and uh, got to know him at Hope, and uh, he actually became an intern of mine, and, and he was a great guy, is a great guy, and has a deep love for the Lord. And I remember when he was at Hope, he was just an absolute crazy man. 
I mean, he had no problem going up to people and praying for them. Um, he would walk up and down 8th Street in Holland, uh, seeking for people to pray and asking the Holy Spirit, all right, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to pray for? And he would get pictures and, and visions and, and go up and, and pray for people and uh, saw the miraculous happen, saw God turn hearts uh, to Jesus, saw like amazing things going on. It was him and his brother, his twin brother. And they were just very ordinary dudes from, uh, I think, South Carolina. Anyway, he graduated and moved out to California and went to grad school out in California and uh, eventually got married, married somebody out in California. And uh, they opened up a, a smoothie shop in Southern California, actually in, actually in Huntington Hills. And Huntington Beach, sorry, Huntington Beach. And uh, they're running this smoothie shop, and, and him and I are talking actually on his way to work. He put me up on FaceTime, and he's driving in traffic, and, and it's, there's palm trees, and it's beautiful Southern California scenery. I loved everything except the traffic. Like, he was in and out of traffic. It was crazy. But in that moment, in that conversation, and him and I had connected um, numerous times, he had such a desire to live wholeheartedly for the Lord. And he, he said, Dave, like, at hope, I was doing it. But now I'm married, I own this smoothie shop, and this is not what I was thinking my life would look like, and I'm just going to work, doing my thing, and I'm like, what's my purpose in life? And in that moment, I shared with him something that we both had heard before. I said, Ben, you have to remember, like your number one job, your purpose in life is to, to, to sit with the Lord, to be so filled up with the love of the Lord that it just oozes out of every pore of your being. I said, when, when people come into that smoothie shop, when they're coming looking for their gym rat smoothie to, to get big or whatever, to get refilled, I said, they need to come in not encountering a smoothie, but encountering the, the Savior, Jesus Christ in you. You need to be so filled up with that, and then when they come through that smoothie shop, they are encountering the kingdom of God. And when I said that, have you ever had it where you say something and you're like, wow, that's for me too. Like that's just not advice given. That is like, no, that's for me. And I believe it is for all of us to be so filled up with the love of Jesus, to be so overwhelmed by the fact that we have been brought from darkness to light, that we have a savior that not just saves us from our sins, even though that is way enough, not just that we have been brought into his kingdom, but that he hears our prayers, that he answers our prayers, that he empowers us with his Holy Spirit. Like that should blow us away to the point where we're so filled with his love and his grace that as we encounter people, they're not encountering Dave or Rick or Cece or anybody else. They're encountering Christ in us. That's the purpose of your life. That's the purpose of my life. That's the purpose of Ben's life on the beach in Huntington Beach. Like, that's the purpose of all of our lives. I mean, Jesus said this, right? He said this at the, end of, at the end of his time here on earth, before he ascended to heaven. He gave us our purpose. And he said, all authority has been given to me, Matthew 28. Go, therefore, go and baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Like, he said, Go. Go, like the purpose of our life isn't just to stay in this holy huddle, just to hunker down and, and live our lives. Jesus said all authority, he had just he'd risen from the dead, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Now go, get out, go and tell people about the hope that you have. And I think about that as we go through our days, as you interact with people, every person that, that we interact with is an opportunity to tell them about Jesus or train them up in Jesus. 
Every person that we talk to, it's an opportunity to make a disciple for the glory of Jesus. But as a church, we need to get out and see that as the purpose of our lives. I remember this quote that I heard a long time ago, and it goes like this. It said, uh, Christians are a, a lot like manure. Have you heard that before? Christians are a lot like manure. You spread them out, and they help everything grow. You keep them in one big pile, and they stink horribly. I'm like, that is so true. Like, we are powerful when we're spread out. Now, there are times when we come together and need to, need to hunker down and encourage one another and pray one another and, 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 and send people out again. But, like, there's a time to do that. But we're to live a life of discipleship, going and making disciples, telling people, training them up uh, with what we have learned about Jesus. And that's the purpose of your life. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, whether you go to work, whether you own a business, whether you are in the factory, there are people around you who God has brought into your life to tell them about Jesus or to train them up. I want to look at a story, a familiar story. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19 and really look at a man's life and just highlight a couple of things and really talk about this fact that you and I are called to go and make disciples, to live our lives as changed people to go out and serve the world for the glory of Jesus. And now as you see the story, you probably already, or they see the heading, you already know this story, and maybe some of you are singing the song, uh, the Sunday school song in your head about a wee little man, um, and that's who we're talking about. We're talking about Zacchaeus this morning. And I want to read just a couple verses and, then, and share a couple thoughts um, about it, and we'll work our way through this story in Luke chapter 19. Luke is writing, and he says this. He says, he, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. Wanted to say he climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, but that's not scripture. That's just the song. But, but here we're introduced to Zacchaeus, and, and we see that Jesus' intent was just to pass through, Jer- to pass through uh, Jericho um, and to continue on, and we're introduced to this man named Zacchaeus, and we're told a couple things about him. Zacchaeus had a, a powerful position because he was a chief tax collector. He had probably been a tax collector for 10, 20 years, had, was good at it, had, had worked his way up, and he wasn't just a tax collector, he was the boss. He had people working for him. And because of this uh, position, because of what he did, he was, it says, that he was rich. He had a, a lot of possessions, probably. He had all that he had ever wanted. He wasn't lacking in anything. He had position, he had possessions, and, and, and this is who we see Zacchaeus being. He had a lot, but then it said, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. I find that just so interesting. Even though Zacchaeus had power, he had a position, he had, he had money, he had everything we thought like, you know, someone would want, but there was still something missing in his life. It says he was seeking 
to see who Jesus was. To me, this just highlights the truth of every person in this room, the truth about every person in this world walking on the face of the planet today is that we are all searching. We are all seeking to have the deepest parts of our heart filled. Ecclesiastes 3 says this up on the screen. It says that that God has put eternity into man's heart. I mean, this is something that I believe wholeheartedly, is that deep inside of every one of us, there is a hole in our heart that only can be filled with God. And until we fill that heart, that hole in our heart with God, we will keep searching, we will keep looking uh, after, for, 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 for that longing to be filled. We'll go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And the truth is that our heart will never be satisfied until we're completely satisfied in Jesus. I mean, you think about Zacchaeus. He had possessions. He had, he had a, a, a position. He had everything you know, that, that maybe life you know, could, could give him. But he was still looking for something. We need to know that as we go from this place today, that as we go about our day-to-day life, there are people that might look like they have it all going on. They have everything together, but that they're empty because they're still searching after Jesus because they haven't given their life to Jesus. Their heart is still longing for something more. Zacchaeus was seeking and I love that, that we get this picture of how he was seeking, that he was actually desperate in his seeking. Verse 4 says, he ran on ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass by. I mean, I was at the parade yesterday, downtown Holland. I mean, there were people everywhere. Like, think that picture. Like, Zacchaeus goes to this parade. Jesus is about to pass by. There was a huge crowd. No one was giving him a seat in the the front row because he was a chief tax collector. Everyone was pushing him aside, and he still wanted to see Jesus. He was willing to push through the crowd, risk being ridiculed, climb up into the tree just so that he could see Jesus. And I was challenged, actually, this week by Zacchaeus' attitude, by his approach. I was challenged, do I seek after Jesus that way? Do I hunger and thirst for Jesus like Zacchaeus did? Am I willing to to push through and to seek Jesus no matter the cost? The truth is, and we see this promise all throughout Scripture, that if you seek him, you will find him. But I often wonder, are we seeking hard enough or are we just adding him to our lives? How hungry are we for Jesus in our lives? That was just something that I was wrestling through this week based on the the example that we see in Zacchaeus' life. So it goes on, verse five. It says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Jesus stopped. Now, I look at the verse one. It says, Jesus was going to to pass by. He was entering Jericho and he just was going to pass by. And then we see that that Jesus stopped. And I get this feeling like he maybe changed his plans a little bit. He saw Zacchaeus up in the tree. and, And what did Jesus say? I think of all the things that Jesus could have said. As he stopped and he saw Zacchaeus up in the tree. He could have. He knew that he was a chief tax collector. 
He could have said, here is a man who is a thief. Here's a man who just is, is treating people horribly, a man who is taking, a man who is so selfish, a man who is so greedy. Here's a man who, like, he could gone through just this huge list. Here's a man up in this tree. Because in that day, there were two different categories of people. There were sinners, which was a huge category of people, and then there were tax collectors. All throughout the Gospels, we see that there's tax collectors and sinners, tax collectors and sinners. And Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. So he was the worst of the worst. And Jesus comes, and he doesn't call out his sins. He looks up, and what does he say? Zacchaeus. He calls him by name. Now, I've always wondered, like, how did Jesus know his name? Did he hear about him? I mean, Jesus was you know, fully God and fully man. And so did he get some divine revelation? Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that. Did the Holy Spirit give him a word and said, okay, this man's name is Zacchaeus? I don't know. But the thing that I don't want us to miss this morning is that not only did Jesus see him, but he knew him. He knew his name. And if you're at Meyer and you see somebody that you know, and you're like, you go up to him and your paths cross, you forget their name. How many of us have gone like, hey, buddy? That's not super personal. Here, Jesus looked at him and called him by name, knows him. I think of that. Like, Jesus knows us. Jesus sees us, and he knows us, and he desires this relationship with us. But this was something that I'm sure Zacchaeus didn't hear much. He didn't hear his name. People were ridiculing him. People were calling him, oh, there's that chief tax collector. They were pushing him aside. But Jesus called him Zacchaeus, and there is more going on here because Zacchaeus' name means something absolutely amazing. All of our names mean something. My name means beloved. Cece's a saint of music or something like that. Piper is pipe or whatever. I mean, maybe we should have been more creative with your name, but I love your name. But our names all mean something. And when Jesus saw Zacchaeus up in the tree and he called him by name, this was what his name meant. Pure, clean. It's powerful. In a, in, a, in a community where people were calling him sinner, unclean because of the money that he touched, would have made him impure and unclean, all of a sudden Jesus looks up and he says, there's Zacchaeus. I'm going to call him by name. His name means pure and clean. And this is something that Zacchaeus probably didn't hear in a long time. Now, I think there are so many powerful implications of this for you and I. This is a reminder today of, of how does Jesus see us? How does Jesus see you and I? He knows us. We're because of his blood, we are made pure and clean. And I think for us today, we need to be re reminded of that because so often we remember what we did last night. We remember what we did the day before and we think, oh, that's how Jesus views us. Oh, I'm just the result of my sins that I committed the last couple days and I'm just a horrible person. No, Jesus looks at us and he says, you're pure and you're clean all because of what I did for you. We have to remember, church, that we are not, oh, just sinners saved by grace. I just think too often we walk around going, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, the truth is you are a son 
or daughter of the king. You were purchased by the blood of Jesus. A huge price was paid for you. That is who you are. You are a son or daughter that messes up from time to time. But you're not just a sinner saved by grace. No, you are beloved by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's how, you see, how he sees you. He sees you as his child. And I think the number one tool of the enemy at least in my life, is he messes with our brain and he tries to convince us that we are the product of our actions the last couple days. And if I can look back and think like, oh, I messed up here, I messed up here. Oh, there's no way that God loves me. That is so far from the truth. You are a son or daughter because of what Jesus has done for you. You are a new creation in Christ and that doesn't change. And we have to remind ourselves over and over again. We have to, 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 to renew our minds and say, no, this is who I belong to. I belong to the king of kings. And I look at Lazarus, and I, or Zacchaeus, different guy, Lazarus, Zacchaeus, and I'm like, Jesus looked at him and said, you're pure, you're clean, and that's what Jesus is saying to us today. I think of something that happened to me a couple weeks ago, which was just a powerful reminder of this, and how Jesus really spoke into my heart. I had, had messed up and, and sinned, and there was just some stuff going on in my life, and, and I'm like, oh, that was a sin. I'm like, oh, God, and this is where I struggled. I'm like, oh, God must just be so frustrated with me. He doesn't want to use me. I got into this pity party, and I'm sitting on the couch on my front porch, and I'm just kind of bumming out. I'm like, God, you don't want to use me. I just I screwed up, and all of a sudden, I got this thought and this idea. I need to call Rick Vanderswag. I got this thought, and I'm like, oh, that was random, and so I did it. And I called you, and where were you? You remember? You're like, Dave, I'm sitting in the emergency room right now. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And I, we had a nice little conversation on the phone, and I hung up, and guys, I was blown away. I'm like, I'm so glad that I could speak into Rick's life, but I'm like, God, you still want to work through me. You haven't abandoned me because of what I've done. I still belong to you. I'm not defined by my sins the last couple of days. I still belong to, to you. Like, and that is a reminder for all of us today is that we're not defined by what you did last night or the day before. You're defined by what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago and your faith in him. This is a great reminder for us today, but it's also a great reminder for how we see one another. I mean, Zacchaeus was up in the tree. The crowd put him up in the tree because of his sins. And I wonder, like in the church, how often do we force people to go up into a tree because we look at them not through the lens of how God looks at them, but through their own sins. And we look at people in the church, like people have said, the church is the only place where people, where they beat up their own. And I'm like, I think we do that too often. Instead of like, we look at people and we say like, oh, wow, they don't do this. So I don't know about them or they don't do that. And we have to look at each other through the lens of each one of us being a son or a daughter of the king and call out that identity in each other and say, you know what? You have been bought with the blood of Jesus. Now live like it. Now you think, what do you do with sin? What do you do when somebody sins? Well, you treat them how Jesus treated the disciples. You correct them. You walk with them. You continue to pursue relationship with them. But we got to stop beating one another up and start calling out the identity that each other is and invite them into living more wholeheartedly for Jesus. But I think this has also powerful implications for how we see the world. Because there are Zacchaeuses all over the place, walking around with so much shame in their hearts, going up into trees. And we have such an opportunity to speak into their lives. The way that Jesus spoke into Zacchaeus' life, I see you. 
And the Savior wants to fill the hole that is in your heart. Look at the transformation that happened in Zacchaeus. And then we'll wrap this up with two questions. One question and one activity. See the whole crowd in verse 7 says he's gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. So they wanted to call him sinner. They were throwing the stones. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, verse 8, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I love how we see the end of this story. Zacchaeus' heart is totally transformed. And I don't want us to miss this point. How is Zacchaeus' heart and life transformed? How has he changed? He is changed by sitting with Jesus. Jesus said, hey, I'm coming over to your house, which was this invitation of this, this deep, intimate relationship. And so Jesus comes over to his house, even though he wanted just to pass by. He comes over to his house, and Zacchaeus is changed. And I wish we were given more insight into that conversation, but we're not. But there, Zacchaeus sits with Jesus, and I think he's looking at Jesus and looking at his life, and he's like, you know what? These things don't match up, so some things have to go. And Zacchaeus is completely transformed. And how is he transformed and changed? He goes and he gives back all that he's taken and he gives half of his goods to the poor. He lives not taking from people, but serving people. And so with that in mind, I want to ask us, because as our lives are transformed, what is our attitude towards the world that we're living in? How do we engage with this world that has is filled with so much sin and so much corruption, so much darkness. How do we engage in the world? And I would ask this question, what is our attitude towards the world? And I want to draw on Jesus' example. Because as he was going through Jericho, he sees Zacchaeus and he could have called him out. He could have called him out for all of his sins. But he says, no, I see you. And his heart broke for Zacchaeus. Does our heart break for the world? Does our heart long to see the, the world have their hearts filled with the only thing that can fill them, and that's the love of Jesus? See, so often there's so many issues in the world, so many things that we could debate and discuss, so many things that the world is doing. We look at the world and they're like, there's corruption here and here and here. And I fear that sometimes we get into this argument and we're talking about issues in the world, and what really needs to happen is that there needs to be an identity change in the world. We have to get to the heart issues and talk about heart matters and get into people's lives and say, you know what? Your heart was meant to be filled with Jesus and Jesus alone and have those conversations. See, you and I pass people all day, all day long, whose whole, there's a hole in their heart that can only be filled with Jesus. And are we speaking into their lives in a way just like Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus? So I think we have to wrestle with this, this truth that we see in Scripture is, is Jesus wept over Jerusalem, wept over the lost. Do we weep over the lost? Does our heart break for the lost? And then with that in mind, I also want us to see ourselves as sent people, that you and I are sent in the world to proclaim the hope that we have in Jesus, to tell people about Jesus. And I want to give you a little activity as we close up. You and I are no different than Austin and Tate Bonema who are in Zambia. 
we are all sent to, to share the gospel. We're no different than people that are all over the world proclaiming the gospel. You have just been sent to your neighborhood or you've been sent to your school or you've been sent to uh, your workplace to get to know people, to build relationships with people so that you can speak into their lives. And so here's the activity I want to give you. Up on the screen, it's something I've used for years. I want to picture, you to picture your house being the middle one. Yep, you got the biggest house in the block. Congratulations. How well do you know the people around you? How well do you know those who live right next door or envision this being your desk at school or your desk in the workplace? Or if you're in a factory job, imagine this being the team that you have around you. How well do you know those people around you? How well do you know the people that you interact with on a daily basis? And there are three things that I usually ask people to know about those around, around them. How many, do you, can you describe their life? Do you know their, their names? Do you know their first name and their last name? Do you know the names of their kids? Do you know the, the names of the people who live around you or work around you? You pick where you want to you know, focus, whether it's school, work, or, or your neighborhood. Can you describe them? Do you, do you know their names? Do you know details of their lives? Do you know their kids' ages? Do you know the sex of their kids? Do you know their extended family? Do you know where they work? Do you know the hobbies that they have? How much do you know about them? And then the last thing, do you know anything of depth about them? Do you know their dreams? Do you know their desires? Do you know the pain in their heart? I use this because I think it's such a powerful reminder that we're not just to coast through life, but God has planted you in a spot to be his hands and his feet to share about his son Jesus. But are we taking the time to listen to see, to listen, and to get to know and look for opportunity to speak. And so as I wrap up, I want, I would love for you to take the challenge to take work, school, or home and fill in the boxes around. Your neighborhood, do you know people? Write their names down. Take a piece of paper and write it down and pray into that. But as we close, what is our attitude towards the world? Does our heart break for the lost? Does our heart break for those who are going to spend eternity separated from God? Does our heart break so much so that we're like, we have to tell you about Jesus. We want to have these conversations. We want to, to serve and live our lives in such a way so that they see Jesus and come to know Jesus. And are we praying that the Holy Spirit would transform their hearts? I believe that needs to be, that needs to be our attitude as we go throughout our week this week and every week. God, get, break my heart for the things that break yours. I don't want to live a purposeless life, but purposeful all for the glory of Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you to extend your hands. And I want to pray for us this morning. Oh God, would you just give us your heart? Lord, I, I know that, that you've given us, we have the mind of Christ and we have, we can come and we can talk to you. But God, would you give us your heart? Would you give us your heart for the world? God, we, we love the verse that you so love the world that you gave. God, would you give us a love for the world, not in a love of, of what they're doing, but a love for people to, to see them come to know you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, to see them as, 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 as who they are right now, that they're lost, that they're broken, that they're without hope and without you in this world. But God, you want to work through us and you have put us in those positions. And so God, give us that, that love and that compassion 
for the lost. But also I ask that you would make us so courageous and so bold to proclaim the hope that is only in you, Jesus. I pray that we would not be ashamed of the gospel, but see it and know it as the power that you have to transform a heart. And we believe, Lord, that there's only one way to be reconciled to you, and that's through Jesus. And so, God, would you give us that heart for those who don't know you? God, would you make our feet just to be so quick to run to people? Would you give us opportunities to proclaim you? And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with the words that we need moment by moment. We don't want to meander through life, but we just want to be so filled up so that people encounter you. So Holy Spirit, fill us right now. In Jesus' name.